0: Welcome to Exhale, a podcast series where we explore topics on spirometry and respiratory care. Your hosts are Mark Russell, Marketing and Communications Manager, and Jansen Lanier, National Sales Manager and Respiratory Therapist for VitalGraph U.S., a global leader in respiratory diagnostics. Today, Mark and Jansen review the new 12th edition of Ruppel's Manual of Pulmonary Function with author Carl Mottram, Associate Professor of Medicine and Board Member of the National Board for Respiratory Care. Well, welcome, Carl, to our podcast. Thank
1: you. Happy to be here.
0: Why don't you give our uh, listeners an idea of your background on yourself, education, experience, and your current responsibilities?
1: Well, I uh, went to the respiratory care program at the Mayo Clinic back in the 70s and came on board as a respiratory therapist, spent my first couple years in the ICU, as many of us do and then became a part of the initial nurse therapist transport team, neonatal transport team at Mayo. I did that for about six years and then a position became available in the lung function lab. And so I moved down into the lung function lab. From there, I went through a variety of positions and ended up as the uh, technical director of the Mayo Clinic Pulmonary Function Lab and one of the only, I think I'm the only, associate professor of medicine in the 150 years of Mayo Clinic uh, that received that academic rank without having a terminal degree. And currently, I am the president of PFW Consulting, which is my consulting business, and I deal mainly in clinical trial work and in laboratory accreditation.
0: Great, why don't you tell us about this book that's coming
1: out, the 12th edition. How did you have to prepare to update this edition? Well, I'll probably step back just to my introduction into lung function testing. You know, as many respiratory therapists, as I mentioned, I was in the ICU. I loved all the drama that was associated with that. But when I moved into the lung function lab at Mayo Clinic, I was the first respiratory therapist that actually entered into that lab. Prior to then, it was personneled by technologists. And I'm not sure if it was my personality or the fact I was the first respiratory therapist downtown, but the medical staff kind of embraced me as rather than an employee in the lab or a manager in the lab, more like a colleague. And so I really had the opportunity to learn from the best. In my initial training, Dr. Helmholtz, who was renowned in his work in lung volume measurements, and the G suit back in World War II taught us uh, pulmonary physiology. Uh, When I came down into the laboratory, Dr. Bob Hyatt was the medical director at the time, and Dr. Hyatt was the first person to ever describe the flow volume loop prior to his description in 1959. There was only volume-time curves, and so he recognized the various characteristics and pattern that are associated when actually displaying lung function data in a volume-flow relationship versus a volume-time relationship. And of course, he also described tests like respiratory muscle strength measurement and other things. And then I had some other wonderful colleagues. Uh, The chair of the pediatric cardiology division started exercise testing at the Mayo Clinic uh, using metabolic analysis also, and I came on board with him. And through his tutelage and background, uh, we grew the cardiopulmonary exercise test service in the pediatric age group, in particular in kids with congenital heart disease. And so Dave Driscoll was an incredible mentor to me and he also then increased my overall knowledge of the physiology and of the kinetics of exercise and what takes place during that type of testing. And so all of these things accumulated in me having a very deep understanding of lung physiology. of pulmonary function testing, and other testing modalities associated with a pulmonary diagnostic lab. And then also at that time, there were my my respiratory therapist colleagues, Greg Ruppel, uh, Susan Blondschein, Jack Wanger. All of us were in our infancy in pulmonary diagnostics, but we'd meet at the national meeting and we started writing clinical practice guidelines together. We started participating in other academic measures. And Greg originally started this textbook out of some lab notes that he had. It was the textbook I used when I took my NBRC examination and as uh, Greg Ruple's career was winding down he handed over the textbook to me and I enhanced it I reorganized it I wrote in it I added chapters and now this is my personally my third edition starting with the 10th and now what's coming out as the 12th edition great how long does it take and how many people are involved in getting the, the update well, it takes, the process is about a year, actually, maybe even a year and a half as we start looking at, you know, what has changed and what needs to be included. And so we start rewriting the process. I have invited, and I have invited in the past, but I asked another new author this year to join us. So I have four chapters out of the 13 that other authors contribute. So, Susan Blonshine has the chapter on quality assurance, quality control. Katrina uh, Hines has the chapter on pediatrics and specialized testing. Jeff Haynes has the lung volume chapter. And Dr. David Kaminsky, I moved him from the lung volume chapter in the 11th edition to the interpretation chapter in this 12th edition and I felt that was really an appropriate move because not only is David a physician and he interprets tests every day but Dr. Kaminsky was also at the time the chair of the ATS standards committee and they were working on the new standard on interpretation that was going to be published right as we came into the deadline of this book being finished. So he would have particular insights. He couldn't share anything, but he had particular insights. And fortunately, in the 11th or 12th hour, that document was published in January and we were able to slip in the nuances of that document into the textbook also just before they pressed the let's go to press button.
0: Sure. We know Susan. She has come out to our offices before the pandemic and she basically did some NIOSH training for the region area and uh, just a plethora of information when it comes to pulmonary function testing. What are the drivers for this new addition? I mean, do you do this annually or is it just on new information or updates that are in the industry?
1: Well, typically Elsevier likes to have the new edition updated or a new edition updated about every five to six years. I actually talked to them about updating this one a year in advance of when the normal cycle would happen because of the plethora of new technical standards and information that has come out recently. You kind of find that the technical standards about once every 15 years are revised or updated. And when the 11th edition was published in 2017, they had updated a few, but there was still a lot to be done. Well, in that interim period, the American Thoracic Society and the European Respiratory Society, which are the two physician-based professional societies, but also have other members, uh, allied health professionals such as myself, being members, have published eight new technical standards related to lung function testing. And then of course, the Global Lung Initiative that has been working diligently on upgrading and adding scientific rigor to the reference sets that we use, they published two new reference sets, one on DLCO and one on lung volumes. And so in between these 10 new initiatives, it kind of affected everything across the textbook itself. And some of them were on the basic tests, such as spirometry and diffusing capacity. So it was really important for the readership to have a updated resource because this book is often referred to as the Bible of our field or the definitive textbook in our field because it covers everything from A to Z And so there was really significant new information that needed to be included in the textbook. So that's why we upped the review process by a year to get it out a year earlier.
0: Got it. How does the book prepare the students that are going through the MBRC's PFT credentialing exams?
1: First of all, I review the MBRC's PFT examination content matrix, which is available to the public. It shows... From the job analysis surveys that we do every five years, what is currently being practiced in laboratories and what the MBRC needs to validate through their assessment that those practitioners are competent. This is all public information, but I also am on the MBRC board and I chair the PFT examination committee for the past five years. And I'm just now on the committee as I relinquish that chairmanship, but obviously very in tune as to you know what is on the MBRC exams. I am under confidentiality as far as specific questions, but I like I said, I make sure that the textbook has everything in it that is on the PFT examination content outline matrix. Yeah, we don't want any cheating on that at all. (laughs) Absolutely not. There is no cheating. The purpose of the examinations is to make sure that our patients are being tested by competent individuals and that competency is validated through the MBRC examination process. Sure. You spoke a
0: lot about, you know, going from the ICU and then going into the PF lab. How does working in the ICU prepare an RT professional to work in the pulmonary function lab?
1: Well, it really doesn't prepare them. I think one thing that has really changed in the last few years or decade is that when respiratory therapists graduate from their program, they have many options, It used to be that RTs would only go into the intensive care unit. But now, as they are going through their educational process, if they find that their particular skill set or their behaviors or what they like is more suited for pulmonary rehab or pulmonary diagnostics or home care or whatever it may be, they can go right into those professions without actually having to go into the hospital environment or into the intensive care environment. The thing that's really important, though, is, is that, you know, just because you're an RT doesn't mean that you're competent in all of those various fields. Sure. I would the analogy. It's kind of like a GI nurse compared to a floor nurse. Sure. Uh, cardiac nurse. You know, there's additional training, knowledge, skills, and abilities that have to be learned once you go in there, even though your background is nursing or even though in our circumstance, your background is being a respiratory therapist. So once you go into that subspecialty, you really need to have additional training, orientation, and evaluation of your competency which is why the mbrc has their pft examination credential that's available for those individuals who work in the field sure so you highly recommend the the cpft or
0: rpft correct
1: absolutely the the examination is actually one examination now it used to be two separate examinations but a couple years ago we created a single examination and depending on your end score That's when you will be designated as minimally competent, which is the CPFT, or have an advanced level of competency, and that is recognized through the registry, the RPFT credential. So within pulmonary function, there are a lot of times there's MAs, there's nurses. Tell us the importance of an RT doing pulmonary function testing. I would probably reposition that question into the realm of are RTs a good human resource pool to pull in to the pulmonary function laboratory? And to that, I would say absolutely. Their background training in respiratory physiology and pulmonary physiology allows them to take the tests that we provide in pulmonary diagnostics understand them at a deeper level, and then because of that, be able to provide the service at that higher level of understanding. So they're a perfect individual to come into the pulmonary function lab, whether or not they're coming directly out of school or they're coming after a storied history in the hospital or ICU, they are a very good individual to come into the lab. I would also preface it with that other individuals can work in a pulmonary function lab if they are trained correctly or if they have the right background. Right now you can sit for the MBRC's PFT examination if you have 62 hours of college credit and have worked in a laboratory under the supervision of a physician or other advanced provider, you're still eligible to take the MBRC's pulmonary function examinations. So that essentially means that if you have a two-year associate degree and you've worked in a laboratory under the guidance and tutelage of someone in that laboratory that you can still sit for that examination. But it's important to realize that there's a lot of unique nuances to making sure that you get accurate and reliable data that clinicians can act on. And so you do not want to hand over even basic spirometry to an untrained individual and say, okay, you push this button, you tell the patient to take a deep breath or the subject and blast their air out. That is not adequate training, and there are other types of training that are available out there to make sure that individuals who are not RTs or not trained in pulmonary physiology or pulmonary function testing specifically, there are other methodologies to train those individuals so that they can be competent. Gotcha.
0: Does this new addition deal with into COVID or any type of pandemic? Does it touch upon any of that since we've had that the last few years?
1: I, I actually did add a little section that talks about that in general. Nothing specific related to COVID, but you know, what do you do in the case of a pandemic? in the lung function area. And so, I did add in the, in the introductory chapter some just general conversation or discussion about what you do in a pandemic related to lung function testing.
0: Great. Okay. So, for our audience out there, and most of them are respiratory therapists or want to be respiratory therapists, any other insight you can give them on this uh, new edition that's coming out?
1: Well, as I said, the textbook has long been held to in very high regards. It's either uh, described as the definitive textbook or the Bible in the field. I always tell my students that if you simply read the textbook and answer the questions at the end of every one of the chapters, resource questions that are available that review the content of that particular chapter, it's my belief that you would Pass the minimally confident level of the MBRC's PFT examination. If you actually study the book and understand it a little bit more in detail, you'll probably pass that test at the RPFT level. And certainly if you're anywhere in the hospital or in a laboratory and a physician comes to you and says, hey, I wanna start up this service or I wanna start up this type of testing. And the testing may be basic, it may be spirometry, diffusing capacity, lung volumes, respiratory muscle strength measurement, or it may be more esoteric like CO2 response tests or exhale nitric oxide tests or something else. You can go to this textbook and understand that it is very robust in describing that procedure, how it could be done, all the background associated with it so that you can provide that service to your physician. But really what you're doing is providing that service to the patient, and you want to make sure that you're doing it right for that particular patient. Great. So when does this edition come out? I know it's coming out here shortly. It's actually available on the Elsevier website currently for advanced orders but it will hit the shelves on March 31st. Great, great. Well, Carl, this was great information. I appreciate your
0: time on this and thank you for being on our podcast.
1: It was my pleasure. And I embrace everybody who's out there wanting to learn more about pulmonary diagnostics. We need individuals in our field, just like we need individuals in the general RT population also. Great, thanks again. You're welcome.
0: You have been listening to Exhale with Vitalograph. Your hosts are Mark Russell and Jancelyn Neer. We hope you enjoyed what you heard today. Please follow us for upcoming episodes. Thank you for listening, and we look forward to you joining us again on Exhale with Vitalograph.